Good morning. I don't know if you've ever wondered how, uh, when John's away, how we decide who who stands up here and uh, speaks. What John's been doing lately is he sends out an email, says, I'm not going to be in church Sunday. There's about four of us. He says, you guys uh, decide who he is. And... uh, so January, for January the 1st, there is a lot stirring, you know. Sometimes Bobby, I add to the emails, anything stirring in anybody? There was a lot stirring in me in January. I had uh, been struggling with forgiveness. Um, hurtful, judgmental things had been spoken. And I have a knee-jerk reaction when that happens. But what I wanted to know was what my action should be. And at the time when John asked, um, that was where I was. That's where I was. You know, I don't know if I think a thing I ask is, how do you respond when someone treats you badly? And uh, what the Lord stirred in me was uh, the revelation that forgiveness isn't forgetting what somebody did. Because you can't really do that. But it is a choice not to remember. Because uh, to remember is to, to let something be joined to you again. To let it become attached. And we don't have to do that. And what I was experiencing at that time was, I kept thinking about it. Man, I'm a pretty sensitive guy. I was feeling a lot of things. But what the Lord showed me is, when it comes to mind, pray for them. That's how you love them. Pray for them. Just lift them up and ask the Lord to bless them. And then I... You know, don't let that thing get on you. And that's what I was doing, and it was uh, what I shared in January. Well, when John sent out the email, him and Kathy decided to go to Florida kind of at the last minute. Decided, you know, it's now or it's going to be a while, so let's go now. And uh, so John sent out his email. Right on the day that a lot of stuff was stirred. I mean, I, I just seen one of these other guys come up here, kind of freeze up my Saturday. And, uh, but there was a lot that very day. Now, right now in my life, it, it's, it's a real time of, uh, of peace. It's a time of joy. I find myself singing. I find myself praying spontaneously. I, I, I see how blessed I am at my age and stage. I, lo- I love my wife, and I'm so blessed that God gave her to me. 
our four children, our eleven grandchildren, my daughters-in-laws, my son-in-law. Um, and, and, and the main thing that's happened in my walk with the Lord, and a lot of it has had to do with being a part of this church, being a part of Wednesday morning, is as I'm coming to a place of rest, where things that used to really steal my joy don't bother me at all. I had a good test on Friday. I hate it when people don't communicate. I hate it. So I had to go to Clyde to pick up a new resident where I work. And all that had been changed and nobody bothered to tell me. Now, in the past, I would have, uh, I would have had an attitude about that. That wasted a big part of my day. But you know what? Where I'm at right now, I was just free. All right, I get to drive back alone and I can continue to have some time with the Lord. It was really, it was really good. And, uh, I realize that even though a lot of people think differently than me, and there's a lot of things I would do differently if they had me in charge, but I'm not, that God has it all in control. He's sovereign. And I can trust Him. And, and I have hope, I have an expectancy that He's going to do what He wants to do. And if he wants to involve me, he will tell me, then I will respond in faith. But not until. I don't have to ride shotgun in order for the stage to go through. Now, there is a little bit of blip on the radar screen in all of this. And it has to do with the presidential election. Not everybody in my immediate family is happy with the outcome. And there's been some hurtful things, judgmental things, communicated on Facebook. Christmas time was a little bit strained because of that. You know, all, always underneath the surface. And, uh, you know, I got daughters-in-law that were either present in the ladies' protest march or wish they were. And they're very vocal about that. And I'm not making a judgment either way. But what has bothered Bonnie and me it's, family is more important than this kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Please don't do this. And, and what we're asking ourselves is, how, how do we handle this? And let me just say something before I go any further. We as Christians need to be very, very careful. We are in, as Bobby mentioned, we're in a divided nation right now. And we are called to be light in darkness. And if you're not careful, you're going to be part of the darkness. 
There's no place for Christians to be judgmental toward people who just don't know. I appreciate the video. Just girls and substance abuse. You know, there's all kinds of choices and lifestyles out there contrary to God. And if you are self-righteous and judgmental when you're around these people, they will know it every time. I worked for 19 years and most everyone I worked with were not Christians. And I became very sensitive when I was around Christians about how much they completely communicate a message of judgmentalism. Self-righteousness. I can't tell you how many people have passed me in a car because I wasn't driving fast enough with a Christian bumper sticker on the back and give me the finger when they go by. (laughs) Hello! But worse than that, attitudes. Just attitudes. So, how do we handle this? I know how my flesh wanted to handle it. Don't go messing with my family. You know what I'm saying? Well, this is what the Lord has me. He said, pray. Rest. And be in expectation and be ready when I tell you it's time for you to be involved or say something. So, the day John sends out an email, uh, Bonnie had received, and I had received another email from one of my daughters-in-law asking us to contact our senator and vote in a certain way concerning the confirmation or non-confirmation of one of President Trump's cabinet nominations. Now, the email was very lengthy, very respectful, and very kind. Bonnie and I were blessed. Blessed that she would take the time She said, I know we disagree politically, but that she would take the time to email her concerns rather than just writing us off. And trust us with issues that were very much on her heart. People that are concerned about social justice and a lot of the stuff out there just have a heart that is far kinder than a lot of people who go to church all the time. I just want to tell you that. And it it moved us both to tears. Just the fact that she would communicate to us. That next morning, I get up early. You know, the Bible talks about there being a natural rhythm of grace. One of the things I do, I get up early. Not because I'm godly. 
and because I'm just going to seek the Lord, but because my body wakes up. And I might as well get up because I can't sleep. And, I, and one of the things I do in my devotion time is I read my journaling from the year before. And I know exactly in 2015 when this started. Because I said, man, I woke up at 4 o'clock this morning wide awake. The problem with waking up at 4 o'clock wide awake is no one tells your body that it's daylight savings time. So you're waking up at 3 o'clock. But I, it's, it's good. It's good. It's, it's, it's good. So every morning I'm reading. Okay? And, and, I, and as we approach the new year, I say, well, what am I going to read this year? And uh, so, someone gave me a $25 gift card to Dalton's Christian Bookstore. And I said, man, I got $25, man. I'm going to go in there and walking around, man. And you'd think I had a million. Well, I, I looked. And here was a devotional on sale. 40% off. Hey, I got my attention. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know anything about Paul David Tripp. But I picked up the book. I started reading some of this stuff. I said, this guy gets it, man. I don't know who he is. He gets it. I'm going to get that book. And it has been, I just, every day it speaks to me. It really does. So the next morning during my devotion time, the Lord impressed upon me. He said, Tommy, well, he didn't didn't say it that way, but he said, I want you to write your daughter-in-law a letter. I want you to share what you read this morning. I want you to tell her that you love her and that you value her as a member of our family. Now, do you see the sovereignty that God kind of put this book and that? I, I do, whether you do or not. Man, he, it's sovereign. Okay? And this is what I sent her. This is what I read that morning. Truth, not spoken in love, ceases to be true. Because it's bent and twisted by other human agendas. I cannot forsake truth for relationships, but I cannot forsake relationships for truth. We need to understand truth in community with one another to compensate for our blindness and for our bias. And we need truth to define for us what kind of community we should live in together. I copied those words and I said, this is what I want for our family. The neat thing is, that's what I've been wanting to say for months. had no idea how to say it. I let somebody else say it and said, that quote really meant a lot to me. And this is what I want for our family. Now, I wrote to her, rather than calling her or sending her an email, because the medium is a big, big part of the message. 
I want her to realize that I took the time to write out a letter. I will, I'm hoping she will hold on to that and value it. You delete emails. You forget phone conversations. But the same thing is true in terms of our relationships with people. Personally, I'm big on truth and small on community. I'm happy us four and no more. That's not God. I'm just telling you. That's, that's, you know. But truth, if I'm around and I get around, I, I had somebody this week come up to me and says, we're looking for a pastor. Can we talk to you? I came home and told my wife, she got white as a sheet. You didn't say yes, did you? No. I didn't say yes. Because I can't handle it. I can't handle the drama. My soul can't handle it. There's truth I know. When I get around religion, I get sick. I didn't go to church for six years before we moved here. I'm not being judgmental. I've got... Sons that won't darken the door of a church because of what they've heard when they did darken the door of the church. I'm not blaming the church. That's their choice. But all I'm saying is I will not pastor a church again because I just, I love teaching the word. I love truth. But I, you know, I, I, got, I got a ways to grow in terms of community. Okay, I'm just saying that I'm glad John Meganson's called. You know, I will support him forever. Uh, another part of uh, what was going on at that time where our men's group on Wednesday morning has been studying the book of Ephesians for a while. And uh, right now we're in uh, Ephesians chapter 5. There's only six chapters. We're moving now. What we're doing, and, and you ladies may not know it, but the Lord is keeping us on His pace. I'm just telling you that. Okay? Because sovereignly, see, He did it just for this. Sovereignly, this is what we were talking about when all this came down. In Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 8, it says, You were formerly darkness, but now you are light. In the Lord, walk or live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth. And this is the part that just I love. Because it says, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. (laughs) Now, uh, Joe, who works in the sound booth in first service, put together, I asked him, I said, put together, can you put together kind of some parallel translations? And I want the ones that are standard. King James Version, New American Standard, Revised Standard Version, New, uh, New English Version, or English Standard Version. So that we can compare. These are translations trying to go word for word. So we can compare how these scholars, who know far more about the original language than I do, what words they chose. 
Well, I noticed when it said trying to prove what is pleasing to the Lord, that the King James said proving what is acceptable to the Lord. I thought, I wonder if that is the same word over in Romans 12, 1 and 2. that says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, because of the mercies of God, to present your bodies a, holy fa- uh, a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to the Lord, which is your spiritual service of worship. And don't be conformed to this world, but you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove what the will of God is. So I... Went over there, I looked up what word that was. It's same exact word. Then I said, I wonder if that's the same word that's in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, that says, Consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its complete work so that you can be whole and complete, lacking in nothing. The word testing, testing of your faith. Same word. Man, I'm on a roll now. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. You know what I'm saying? Uh, because uh, I believe this word proving, testing, uh, trying to find out is a word that has to do with us experiencing the Lord. The testing of your faith, the Lord already knows who you are in Christ. He already knows the faith that's in your heart. The problem is you don't know that. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and there's going to be situations like our, what we've just walked through where he's giving you grace to love if you just look for it. And he wants to sovereignly put Issues that need forgiveness, like 1st of January for me, or this type of situation, in your life, so that you will learn to look for Him. Faith comes by, you know, without faith it's impossible to please God. For, for, for the one who comes to God must believe that God is. And he is a rewarder of those who seek him, the ones that look for him. Lord, what are you doing here? What, what, am I, what do you want to do through me? And, and, and so the testing of your faith is so that you can learn and grow. Now, in, in, this, in, the, in Ephesians, it was interesting because just a few verses earlier, it says, verse 1 and 2 of Ephesians 5 says, Be imitators of God as beloved children. Now, 
You've got to see yourself as deeply, deeply loved by God. He delights in you. When, when, when your name comes up in conversation, He smiles. He says, yeah, yeah, he or she is on my screensaver. I, I delight in them. Just the way they are. It says, as beloved children, be imitators of God and, and walk in love just as Christ loved you and gave himself up for us. Now, now this is the point. Love is love that's demonstrated. And it involves usually giving up some things in yourself. The right to be right. The right to judge. The right to be in control. That's what it means to love on the front lines. It really does. But that, that kind of authentic love is what our world is looking for and what it needs. It doesn't mean they're going to react and receive it. I don't know how many times I've laid down in my life for someone and they didn't appreciate it at all. Didn't even see it. And then I'm kind of feeling like, Man, that was a waste. No, it wasn't. You have no idea what your obedience and choice will do. A verse that I, uh, I've been attracted to, it's captured my imagination for years, is in Acts chapter 13, verse 36. Paul is talking And he refers to King David. And he kind of says this. I love it. He says, David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, he fell asleep. David, after he accomplished the purpose of God in his generation, he died. And what this thing has done for me is it's, it's, I guess I guess it's because I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be turning seventy here in about six, about eight days. Oh man, that's old. That's getting old, Richard. It's getting old. I'm just telling you, senior citizen man. I mean, it's really not old if you if you've already blown past that. But for me, you know, and you know, I've definitely lived my generation. I think I told you this one time. One of the girls I worked with asked if she could. She wanted to ask me a question, and she didn't know how to ask it. I said, "Just ask." She said, "Well, my my junior high son, middle school son, is doing a report on the 1960s, and he needs to interview somebody that was alive in the 1960s." I just said, "Well, I, I was definitely alive in the 1960s." I'd be glad to come talk to him. That's, that, you know, that's, that's, that's something. But, but let, me, let me just, I know I share, I share this a lot. Ephesians 2.10 about we're his workmanship. I share that almost every time I speak. I can't help it. And, 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 and in the message, my favorite passage in all of the message Bible so far is, is, is Matthew 11.28-30. That says, are you tired, worn out? Burned out on religion? Sure hope you are. If you're not, try to get there, okay? Come to me. 
Get away with me. This is Jesus talking. And you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. And this is the part of the verse that I just love this. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. See, what the world needs is somebody that's so free that they will love people where they're at. Without judging them for their sin. That's God's job. And He can handle it. There's a rhythm, there's a rest, there's a rest. God's sovereign, and He offers us His life rather than our own. That's what eternal life is, it's God's life. It's not going to heaven when you die. I mean, you will go to heaven when you die, but that's not the big deal, in my opinion. It's living, allowing Christ to live His life through you now. I'm looking forward. I didn't tell my wife this, but I dreamed the other night that, that I died. I didn't tell her that. She don't like me to talk about that kind of stuff, you know. And you know what? It was like I was talking to the Lord. And he said, you want to go now or later? I says, I want to go now. And you know what? It was one of the most thrilling spiritual experiences I've had in a dream in a long time. It was like, well, I am free. But can I tell you something? I am free now. I don't got to die. God's got it. He has chosen me and placed me in His Son. And He's invited me into His family. And Jesus lives His life through me. And there's no pressure to try to help Him out or fix anything. He's got it. That's what eternal life is. I love 1 Timothy, I think it's chapter 6, verse 19, that says, Take hold of the life that really is life. Eternal life. God's life. Grab hold of that thing, man. That's why you're here. Not only does He invite you into His life, He invites you into His kingdom. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. You don't have to be. You can't handle it. You are not wired to be the king of your own life. It just won't work. Well, it's the truth. God chose you. He chose me before the foundation of the world to be His beloved child, to be light in, in a dark world. And the fruit of life that we just saw in Ephesians is goodness and righteousness and truth. That's good stuff. And you know what? It's fruit. It's not something you've got to try to pop out. It's fruit that as you just realize who you are, enter into the life and into the kingdom, it comes. When I was a hospice chaplain, and I was for 19 years, so many people say, well, chaplain, I know God has me here for a reason. I just wish I knew what it was. Well, He does have you here for a reason. 
And so you can know who you are as his son or daughter. So that you can enter into that rest and allow his life to happen and flow. He, it's his purpose for you to be alive now. At this place. At this time. He doesn't want you to be religious. He wants you to be real. Real with the life that you have from the Lord. If there's nothing there, just hush. I'm serious. But if there is something there, every day's a gift. You know, I'm so aware as I approach 70, and I know I beat on that point a lot, but it, you know, I'm on, I mean, it may need to counseling. Uh, but I am so aware as I look back, I'm so aware of God's mercy. Sometimes I remember things that I tried to do and the Lord stopped me. Things that could have been and the Lord sovereignly. Thank you, Lord. Sovereignly by His mercy has preserved my life, my marriage, my walk with Him. And I can't but give mercy to anyone I see regardless of the choices they're making. Because He loves them as much as He loves me. And I want to learn, test, prove what is pleasing to the Lord by experience. Just getting out there, saying, Lord, alright, here we go. And that's why we're here. We live in a divided nation. And the only thing that's going to change it or turn it around is the light of God's life. That's the only thing. And we're vessels of that light. And if we don't realize how important it is to love people where they're at and to get in their world, then we're going to miss while we're here. Thanks.